to the Love Life Church podcast and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. You know, last week we talked about uh, the, the issues in life where you look at things and you go, not again. Do I have to go through this again? Do we have to do this again? And it's sad because what happens is, is we have the tendency to make that statement quite a bit through life. You know, we're like going, oh, not again. What do I have to do to get through this? What do I have to do to get over this? And so what I want to do today is I want to look at the, the scriptures that we did read. And I want us to learn some truths concerning Jesus and his disciples. And why this, this is so important is, is that we have a picture, a beautiful picture of Jesus in a three and a half year time period making a, an effort to train his disciples to carry on his work. Now think about that. Jesus's ministry is to come on this earth, to walk on earth as a man, leaving his position of God and becoming a human being, living on this earth, going to the cross and making a sacrifice for the world. Now that's, that's the ministry, that's, the pur- that's his purpose. And then in between the purpose is our purpose. So you got his purpose and you have our purpose. You see, if it was all about his purpose, there's no 12 disciples. There's, there, there's no, one, no, no one that he has to have connected with him. But because there are 12 disciples, because there are 12 crazy people that hang out with him. Now think about it. These guys didn't have, you know, their act together, but he had these 12 and they were with him. And what that does is it should show you that you have a purpose. There is a destiny for you on this earth that is in connection with God. And the, the, the faster you connect with that, the quicker you'll get out of religion. You start realizing that you do have a place. You are relevant in the kingdom of God. You're just not sitting in a chair to fill space. You don't go to church just because, you know, that'll get God off your back or your wife. Ha ha ha. Either way, the point is, is this. You have a purpose. And Jesus, during his time period, is doing what? He is teaching them specific things that are necessary for life and life more abundantly. So this isn't just about, I'm going to give you, you know, we're going to go three and a half years of Bible college. He doesn't at all go into the Old Testament to teach them. As a matter of fact, he goes contrary to what the laws that are already written for 
his nation. And here we are, hopefully being disciples of Jesus and realizing that our lives are just not about our existence, but having a specific understanding that we have a purpose. And for those three and a half years, Jesus imparted into his disciples so that they would understand purpose, so that they would grasp purpose. And how can they have purpose if it's all about him? And that's what he was trying to get them to understand is, is this is all about you. What I'm doing is all about you. And I'm going to leave and you're going to have to continue this message that it's all about you, us. And so these teachings are so, so vital in what he's doing, how he's doing it, so that we can learn from them. Because the title of my message this morning is Peace in the Storm. And that sounds, you know, cliche But the truth is, is it's everything we want in life. We want to be able to go through difficulties in life, which there are many, and have peace. Have peace. This is our definition of peace. Get me out of the storm and all will be well. And this is why we don't have peace. Because God is not some magical fairy that's just looking to wave a wand and go, okay, everything's better. I mean, even in a parent's heart is, is we want to protect, we want to heal, we want to make whole, but we know there's a process of pain. We don't like it. I hate it. I don't like when my boys are sick. I don't like when my wife is sick. I don't like when they're dealing with pain. I don't like when they're dealing with problems. And I can say and do all kinds of things, but the truth of the matter is, is there's the period of time where it's still going to hurt. They're still going to feel it. They're still going to be, ah, and you're like going, gosh, I wish I could take that from them and give it to someone else. No, I'm not just kidding. But the, but this is what we do in life is, is ultimately we go through a lot of issues, a lot of issues that we don't have answers for. And I'm, I'm just trying, I want to set you free and I want you to understand something. Religion is what robs you of freedom. Because religion and the concept of religion, it demands an answer or response. And that's why there's so much goofy teaching in the body of Christ. That's that's why there's so many different doctrines in the Christian faith. Is because religion believes that they have to have the answer when asked the question. We understand that in life, that's not, that's not at all true of, of, of normal life. We have to what? We have to learn and grow in understanding an answer. What, what, what? I, I didn't say learn the answer. No, I said you have to learn and grow in understanding the answer. Y'all learned one plus one equals two and didn't even have a clue what that meant. You just knew one apple and another apple equals two apples. But at your age and the level you were at, that's all you understood is one apple, two apple equals two apples. But you didn't have an understanding. Is this not true? And so everything in life is tied to this. And as you grow and mature more and more in life, it becomes the, the, 
the difference between the learning and understanding becomes closer. Younger, it's further away. You guys all get this? You get this out there? Okay, so this is why it's so important because what we have to understand as as believers, followers of Jesus, we have to understand this process. We're not all at the same level. That isn't how this works. And there's a lot of pastors or preachers or whatever that they operate in the assumption everybody's the same, so everybody gets the same judgment. And I understand how that can happen. Because years ago, I was the same way. But as I've grown in my faith and my understanding of God's word, I've realized that to be relevant and important is to understand that we're all going in the same direction, but not all of us are at the same understanding. We all have the truth. Jesus is Lord, but we don't all understand that statement. Everybody hear me. You guys hear me out there? Because this is so important because these, these, these stories, these pictures are beautiful and filled with nuggets, truth nuggets for life. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, Jesus said, he, he tells the disciples, we're going to go to the other side. He gets in the boat. He starts across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Now, that's important to understand what he was doing in the midst of the storm. The thing we need to realize is, is in these teachings are truths for us as followers of Jesus. For what purpose? For knowledge? So that we can say, I understand this scripture? No. It's for Monday. It's for two o'clock in the afternoon at your job. It's for your marriage. It's for raising kids. It's for doing the right thing with your grandkids. It's life. It's life. And when you can get this, it stops becoming a story. And starts becoming life. And I start seeing this and I start placing myself in these stories and I see Jesus sleeping in the midst of a storm and his disciples are reacting in a way that we, we don't really think they should be acting this way. Exactly. And there are times when you, Christian aren't reacting the way that I think you should be reacting. But you know what? They're at a different level right now in their walk with Jesus. They're not in that place of when Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And they name off all these different things. He goes, but who do you say I am? And Peter goes, you are the Christ. But he didn't say it this day. He didn't know it this day. Are you guys hearing me? Oh, he, he, he grasped the truth, but he didn't have an understanding. And when you don't have an understanding, that truth is not so stable, is it? Is it? No. So we have Jesus sleeping in the midst of the storm. The disciples run to him, wake him up. Wake him up. Do you not care? 
Do you not care? We're about to die. You don't care. You don't care. Listen, look at what they're doing. They're talking at Jesus. I know none of you do that in here. Christians don't talk at Jesus. I pray you don't even listen to me. No one does that. Who would ever do that? Come on. Yeah, exactly. This is what happens. This is what takes place. Now, why is this important? Because there is nothing in the scripture that's written in the life of Jesus to put you down, to make you look bad, to make you look foolish, to make fun of you. Everything in scripture is for one purpose, and that purpose is love. And when you look at the pure definition of love, it's about success, it's about direction, it's about responsibility. It, it, it's so many awesome adjectives to love, right? So we have this picture where Jesus sleeps. They go, why are you allowing us to die? Jesus gets up. Why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Why is your faith so little? This is interesting. His, his comment is, is why you are afraid and why is your faith so little? Ogalas, ogalis. Pistuio or pistis, which means short, little time of belief. Short, little time, a little while of belief. That's so important to understand because the tendency is, is meaning little faith means you barely have faith. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying your faith that you have is only in operation for a little bit of time. Are you guys hearing me? A little bit of time. This is so important because I need to hear this. There was a time years ago when I had a little bit of time faith, but I had no teacher teaching me about it. So my thought is, I don't have faith. I'll never be able to do this. My faith, I don't have faith. I don't have the ability. And that's not what Jesus said. He said, your time of faith and operation is very tiny. Now, this is so good because what it is is teaching me a spiritual truth lined up the natural principle of learning. Because when you're younger, you don't have that length of time of understanding, which means you have the ability to jump ship right away. Yes, mommy, I agree. Ah! What, what, what happened? Okay, I'll do that a few minutes later. They ain't doing it. What happened? Were they out now just lying? Sometimes. But do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, the immaturity of, of where they're at in knowledge and understanding breeds this type of reactions. What do they do? Jesus rebukes the wind. He does his thing. And they say, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Oh, my gosh. That is the picture of what you need to see concerning the story. We want to teach the story, but not the story. We want to talk about the story, but not the story. What is the story? They don't even really know him. There was disciples. Oh my goodness. 
In this story, there are three truths you need to get hold of. There's a whole lot more. These are the three major ones. Number one, being at peace in a time of trouble is not crazy. It's not crazy. You know how you, you have people and you, you, know, you have some, some people that are in the midst of all kinds of messes going on and you look at them going, why aren't you screaming? Why aren't you crying? Why aren't you throwing a fit? Why aren't you, why aren't you, why aren't you? And we, they think that person's crazy. That's, how could you be that way? How is Jesus? Are we supposed to, are we supposed to act like Jesus or to stand away from Jesus? Are we supposed to pay attention to Jesus? Are we supposed to just pay attention to everybody except him? I believe my responsibility has become more like him. Right, isn't it? Don't you agree? So here he is sleeping in the midst of a storm. So Jesus ain't crazy. No. He understands the power of his word and the belief in that word. And even though he's in the storm, his belief is we're going to get to the other side. They scream and speak at Jesus with fear, with dread, no hope. Hey, we all have found ourselves there. You might have found yourself there just in the past month. But the point is, is what is the purpose of the story? To reveal, to show, to teach, to strengthen, to get you to the place of going, okay, all right, I, I, I confess I'm, I'm there right now, but how do I get in the next level of life? Exactly. That is the right response. The religious response is you fight against it, you war against it, you, you try to push against it, you do everything you can to say, oh, I, I've been doing this for years, and no, 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 no. When you don't have it, you don't have it. When you keep saying two plus two equals five, you're missing it. You're missing it. Don't deceive yourself or try to deceive other people around you. Learn, amen. The second truth is storms will come, listen to this one, in the will of God. I was thinking if we're in the will of God, everything's going to be great. No, if you're in the will of God, you're going to get in a storm. There's going to be a storm. You hear me? I know this isn't like a really uh, exciting or, or a message where everybody wants to, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the storm, God washes away and we'd have no problems ever again. Je Jesus said this. These things I have spoken to you. John 16, That in me you may have peace. In me you may have what? Peace. In me you may have peace. In the world, hello, you will have tribulation. In me, peace. In the world, tribulation. In me, peace. In the world, tribulation. In me, peace. In the world, pandemics. In me, peace. In the world, troubles and trials. In me, peace. In me, peace. In the world, all hell breaks loose. Are you guys getting this? But... Be of good cheer. Why did he say that? Because he was just talking about the world being all messed up. In me, you'll have peace. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Let's move on. 
No, he doesn't do that. He goes, in me, you're going to have peace. In this world, it's going to be all messed up. But, but be of good cheer. What does that mean? Eliminate the world's messed up. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He says what? Be of good cheer. I want you to see this word because it's thar seel. Thar seel. It's so important because the word cheer isn't this. It's not a smile and a little head nod. I'm just so cheerful right now. Bubbly and balloons. That's not what cheer in this scripture means. It's actually a position of strength and power. It literally means to be in complete confidence and courageous. So when you see the word cheer, what Jesus mentions, it's not like, oh, teddy bears and, and little hearts fluttering all over the place. No. The cheer that Jesus is talking about is in the midst of trouble tribulation, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of everything being chaotic. When you're in me, you'll have peace. So be courageous and confident. In me, be courageous and confident because you're going to go through storms. You're going to go through storms. So don't go through a time of trouble and then all of a sudden you think the world's ending. We all been through it many times. We go through it all the time. There's minor ones and there's major ones. But y'all go through stuff all the time. And I'm telling you, when you don't have truth and you have this religious concept of this stuff, you don't have any answers. And I'm going to tell you what you do when you don't have answers. You run. You run from God. You run from church. You run from people. Why? Because you don't have answers. And you assume, religiously, that you're supposed to. Who said? Well, a lot of pastors on TV do. Who said you're supposed to have all the answers? That's always tied to, you should know your Bible. And you all know how I feel about that. You should know the truth and the truth that you know and apply it will set you free. That's what you should know. So whatever information you're getting, learn to know it, apply it, and there's your freedom. There's your freedom. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, there was no word. There is no Bible. There was the word, but there was no Bible. How did the church exist? By believing. By being told and believing. Being what? Memorizing the first five books of the Bible? No. I understand all the epistles? No, they weren't even around. The gospels? They came years, years later. In other words, this thing is about, can you believe a word from God and stand on that word? You don't understand that. It's powerful. It's so powerful. And if you can start with those basics, one plus one equals two in the faith, you're going to win. I'm telling you right now, you're going to win. 
It's when we try to jump to the next level when we don't even have addition down. Give me some meat of the word of God. Anybody who talks that way, I know they don't know the word of God. I'm telling you, and I've heard that many times, and I can look at that person, and, and they know, and I know, that they're, they're, their walk is messed. That thing is, they don't want to hear that kind of stuff. Why? Because religion produces fakeness. And when you get doing fake for so long, you really don't know what freedom is. And I want love life to be free. Completely free. Amen. The third thing, if you don't pay attention to Jesus, you're never going to know Jesus. If you don't pay attention to Jesus, you're never going to know Jesus. And what did they do? They did not pay attention to he's sleeping in the midst of the storm. And what was their answer? Who is he? They didn't pay attention to Jesus sleeping in the storm. What was their answer, conclusion? Who is he? Christians, haven't we been there before? I know I have. I know I have. I know, I know many of your stories, and you can say and testify, been there, done that. Amen? That's a good thing. Why? Because we're not there anymore. We were, but we're not anymore. Come on, man, you ain't, there ain't no perfect person in here. There ain't no perfect Christian in here. And if you try to promote yourself that way, you're the lowest of low. It's when I can go to a baby Christian that's going, oh man, how do you get out of this? I've been there, I know that. I ask the same questions. A lot of times no one had answers, but I had to keep moving forward even when no one knew. My heart kept saying, keep going, keep moving forward. An answer will come one day, someday. Sometimes you don't know, but you just gotta believe. You know, the scripture's filled with, with, with promises and truths about when you get married, that God has blessed that marriage with children, that you will have children. And Pastor Lau and I believe that scripture of God's blessings, but couldn't have kids. Year after year passes by. I went to specialists. And the specialist said, you can't have kids. Not, there's a slight, none, you can't have kids. It's not in your cards. What did the Bible say? That children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of his womb is his reward. But I have medical science saying it ain't going to happen. So what do I do? Do I become relevant Christian and accept the words of scientific evidence and fact that the doctor said no and that is far greater than God saying yes? Hallelujah. And you can't talk normal when you're religious. It's impossible. So what do we do? We continue to believe. We continue to exercise our faith. We continue to apply what we knew we knew to do, what we knew we should do. We applied it. We knew it was what we're supposed to do. We believed. We believed. And I got two miracle boys because of our 
tenacious faith of not stopping our confession, our belief. We continued and continued and continued. And even the devil tried to take the first one. That was a warfare. That was a storm. God, you blessed us with a child. You blessed us with a child. The fruit of the womb is your reward. And, and Pastor Lau is big pregnant. And we're in Mexico showing off that big pregnant belly. Look at us. We're pregnant. We want the world to know how good God is. And our trip back, we're at the Mexico City Airport Hotel. And we're going to be flying out the next morning. So we booked a room so we'd wake up and just get on the plane and come home. That was the scariest night of our lives because the devil said, I'm going to take that baby. And it was a warfare that went on for quite a few hours. We had to fight the fight of faith, the good fight of faith. And we stood on the word, we confessed and we can and we wouldn't allow the, the, what was going on in her to be the final answer to our faith. And we fought and stood in faith and we fought and we fought. And when we stood, we continued to stand. And for hours this went on. And I'm telling you, I mean, from hindsight and research, we know exactly what was going on. We won. As you can tell, we have our son here. But that took a fight of faith that was a storm in the midst of God's will. The rest wasn't, I'm going to cuddle in the hotel bedroom and we'll just go to sleep and wake up and everything will be better. That's not what the rest was. The rest was us believing God's word, standing in faith in the word of God. That was the rest, believe it or not. Well, wait a minute, weren't you all, wasn't it all chaotic? And No, it wasn't. The battle was real, but the peace of knowing God's word was peace in the midst of a storm. Just listen to my story, because I'm telling you, this is how we win, by hearing your stories, by hearing your place of, I believe God's word, I acted on his word, and this is what happened. We need those stories. We need your stories. We need to hear your testimonies. We need to know that God worked in your life and that means he'll work for me because I've seen your life and you ain't all that, but I am and I think it's gonna work. Just kidding. Matthew 14, verse 24, another storm. You ready for this one? Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes walking on the ocean. Now follow me. Jesus is praying to the Father up on a cliff area that overlooks the ocean. He's praying to the Father and the Lord recognizes that they are now in trouble. Now hear this. Because the Bible shows us that Jesus saw them having issues. 
But wait a minute. There are approximately four to five miles away from land. It's three in the morning. I don't care who you are. No one can see that boat. I don't care, I don't care if, you, if, if your nickname's Eagle Eye. No one, no one can see what's going on. Are you guys hearing me? Except Jesus. It's so important because the word is showing us something in a place where no one can see. In the midst of the storm, Jesus knows. And he comes walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water. Now remember, this is after the first. Who's this guy? Jesus is now walking on the water. He's not in the boat. He's walking on the water. The disciples saw him. They were terrified. They were terrified. And they cried out, it's a ghost. Ah! Now think about it. They're in a position of struggle. They're worn out. They're tired. They're not getting to the place where they're supposed to be. Everything around them is screaming, you're not going to make it. I don't care what Jesus said. You're not going the other side. He's not even with you. Come on, somebody. Come on, Christians. You know you've been here. He's not, he's not walking beside me and holding my hand and giving me cuddles. No. Where is he? He's, I don't know where he is. Where are you, Jesus? And Jesus shows up. Listen, he shows up, and what is their reaction to Jesus? Their reaction is first response of what fear will always do. It will always stop you from seeing your answer. And so you will then insert a statement of fear rather than a statement of fact. It's a ghost! I mean, can you think? I mean, look at the picture. It's crazy. Uh, oh, my gosh. You guys see something? I'm not looking. No, really, there's something, I, there's something out there. Peter, look out there. It's a ghost! What does Jesus do? Ghost, are you serious? No. Haven't you learned anything yet? No. Dummies. No. Cállate. No. What's going on here? That was shut up in Spanish. As someone thought, he just cussed. No, what's going on here? What's going on here is, is another growth lesson for us in our walk. There are times that we learn something. There are times where we're getting information and we're growing. And all of a sudden, sometimes we, we do, it's a ghost, and not assume Jesus first. Sometimes we do that. 
And what does Jesus do in the midst of that? He doesn't rebuke. He doesn't correct. He doesn't instruct. Why is this so important? Well, for me personally, it helped me understand how to communicate to people. Because my first response is, what are you, a moron? I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. But see, what was the Lord's response? Don't fear, it's me. So what I've learned as a pastor, I mean, this took me some years to get this, but what I've learned is, is there are gonna be times when people's going, it's a ghost, pastor. And I've got to calmly go, no, don't worry about it. That's not true. Instead of going, you're crazy. You're a dumb Christian. And that's usually what people do. But the truth is, is what? The truth. We're all at different levels. Let's work and help one another. If I hear you screaming ghost, first of all, I'm going to look and see if it is. Just saying. Just, just being real. You never know. But because of where I'm at, I'm going to go, nah, that's Jesus. And you're going to go, are you sure? Yeah, no, I know it is. And then Jesus doesn't have to go, chill, don't fear, it's me. But there are times when you're alone and you don't have someone to go, hey, no, that's, it's okay. You, you're with your 12 friends, you know, your 11 friends, and y'all screaming, it's a ghost. And Jesus has to say, nah, no, don't worry about it. It's all good. It's me. Now, look at this. This is so cool. Why, he goes, why are you afraid? I mean, I'm at the wrong one. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. You know what in the Greek language he says? He says, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am. That is, a, that is the statement of God. I am. When you see that statement, that is a God statement. And Jesus is walking on the water. The disciples are going through stress. They're screaming ghosts. And Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am. Man, that would make me go, yeah! And guess what? It did. It did make someone do that. Because this is a story where Peter starts getting involved. But let's see this. He says, Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am. Then Peter called, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walk on water. Hindsight. Peter. Serious? That's what you would say. Anybody in here see that and go, that's crazy. You just thought it was a ghost. Now you're going to the ghost. If it's really you, tell me. To, if I'm a ghost, I'm going, <laughs> yeah, come on out. Right? I mean, think about it. No, are you guys think the way I think. I mean, if I'm a ghost, if I'm a bad, if I'm the bad evil thing out there, and Peter goes, if it's really you, tell me to come out and walk on the water. I ain't gonna go, no, guy, hey, it's not, it's not Jesus, I'm a ghost. No, the ghost or that demon's gonna go, yes, come to me. Are you guys with me on this? Just love the story, pay attention. If it's really you. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't care if it's silly. He doesn't care if it's a, a, a dumb way to react. He says, come on. 
I just love this. Can I ask you something? What's going on with the storm? Nothing. Nothing at all. It's still happening. Hmm. How, how do you get to a place where now you're standing up in the storm that was bringing so much stress, so much fear, in a place where now you're seeing ghosts, and you can stand up in the midst of this thing. The boat isn't just calm. It's still getting busted up. The wind is still, the waves are crazy. Everything is acting up. And Peter, in the midst of all this, in the midst of this thing, is going, hey, Jesus, if it's you, what is that? That's called peace when your eyes are with Jesus. That's called peace. The storm didn't stop, people. It's still messed up. And Peter is saying, you, I'll come. What happens? Think about this. He's in a big old boat. How did he get off the boat? I want to know. Did he just put one toe? You know, because no one goes to the swimming pool and just jumps in. You want to touch the water. Is it cold? No, it's nice. All right, let's go. Or maybe you do. I mean, I don't. I'm going to feel the water first. I'm, I've been tricked by that water many times. So I touch that. I go, ah, all right, it's good. What did Peter do? Come on, what did he do? Did he, did he do a one foot? Did he do a cannonball? I mean, what did he do a leap and two feet in? Think about it. I do. I'm thinking, how does he get in? Does, he must have got over and maybe let himself down. And all of a sudden he goes on that. I don't know. But how amazing is that first step? How amazing is that first step? Because he's not even, he's not all there, I don't think. I think he's so focused in on Jesus. Please listen to me. Please listen to me. Please. He's focused on Jesus. He's still relevant. He's focused on Jesus. This isn't crazy time. He's focused on Jesus and everything doesn't become all serene and peaceful. He's focused on Jesus in the midst of the storm and he's walking on water, which is impossible. That's information for us because there are beginning times when it is all ugly and we're looking out there and we're crying out, there's a ghost, there's devils, there's demons. The world is going to end. And we're all messed up in the midst of this thing. And Jesus's presence is going to be coming by. And he's coming by for a purpose. And that purpose is, I said, we're going that way. Let's go. Don't, don't, don't be robbed in the world. Don't get robbed because of friends, family. Don't get robbed. Stay focused in on me. And that doesn't take away from anything, but you're going to see the miraculous. You're going to see things happen that you never thought were anybody could ever do. And Peter gets out there and starts walking in the midst of the storm on top of the water. What's the next statement we see? Peter then does what? He starts looking around. 
I don't believe that in itself was the negative place. I think what happened is, is when he thought about what he was saying. A lot of times we assume we need to think about a lot of things. We want to Google and get a lot of information. We think it's all cool. I think you are in a dangerous position. I don't think you need to get as much information you think you need. Not when it comes to standing in faith. Not when it comes to, to fighting a fight. To be able to win in a storm. I believe you need, you're going to the other side, and that's pretty much all you need. You don't need the ABCs underneath that. You don't need the XYZs above it. All you need to know is his word said this. Because I believe when you try to get into doctrine and trying to get into greater levels of faith, you start sinking. And I believe he started looking around and started realizing that is a big wave. That wind is very strong. This is going on the whole time, people. It never stopped. And when he did look at the situation, he's walking on water. Please. What is going to wave going to do to you? Can you imagine yourself in the middle of a storm, but you can walk on water? What does that mean? It means the storm is irrelevant. It actually should be fun. Jesus, let's take that wave. Come on, man. Woo! You don't think he could have done that? I believe 100% he could have. I believe that Jesus would have joined him. I believe that in my heart. I do not believe Jesus would have said, no, stay in faith, young man. Only walk, you can't run. No. But Peter gets his eyes off Jesus, gets eyes on the storm, and starts what? Oh, beautiful, beautiful scripture. Starting to sink. Everybody say starting to. He wasn't drowning. He wasn't neck in water. Starting to sink. What's starting to sink? Uh, water up to your ankle? Agree or not? Starting to sink? I'd say it's the foot going down in the water. Starting to sink. Y'all with me? Come out if it's really, if it's you, I'll come out there. Come, Jesus said. Peter steps over the side of the boat, walks on water toward Jesus. And then what happens? He starts to sink. And then what does Jesus do? That's what we're going to see. But let's look at the two examples that we can get right now. The two truths that we need to get hold of right now. Number one, trust Jesus even if he is not present with you. See, they, they, Jesus was present with them and they couldn't trust him. Now he's out of the boat and they can't trust him. What you have to understand is, is if you feel tingly presence or not, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your life paths. Not your way, his way. His way. The second thing, Jesus always comes to us in the storms of life. Why? What did he do? He saw them in the storm and said, I hope they get the lesson now. 
No. He went to them. He went to them. And he didn't walk in a place where they couldn't see him. He, what did I say about the disciples and Jesus? Was Jesus in a position where he just needed 12 buddies to hang out with till he was done? No. He needed 12 guys, crazy guys like us, crazy men and women that don't have our act together. Some of us are really messed up more than others, but you know what? So were they. And so here we have these 12, you know, not the best. And Jesus is doing something. See, he's going to go into John, John 14, and he's going to start telling them, hey, I'm going to leave you guys. I'm going to leave you. So near the end, he's letting them know, I'm leaving you. But what did he do for the three and a half years before? What was he doing? He was discipling them for that date when he does leave. Why? Because he needs us to continue. Listen, Jesus doesn't want to become your pacifier. He wants you to mature and grow into the child of God that he knows you are, into the man and woman of God that walks in integrity and character and power and authority, but knowing that he's always there with you, always there, always there. Not as a baby where I need to be sucking on Jesus to have peace, that I know that I know that I know it belongs to me. Are you guys getting this? It's so important to understand. Now look at verse 30. And when Jesus saw the strong wind and the waves, they're always there, remember? When Peter looks and sees all this, he began to sink. Save me! Save me, Jesus! Save me. I'm, I'm about to sink. I ain't sinking. I'm not down in my knees. I'm not almost ready to drown. I'm not, Jesus, Jesus. No, I'm starting. My feet are getting wet. I feel it on my ankle bone now. Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Immediately. He pushes them down under the water. I'll teach you to grow. You think, you know, a lot of us want to say stuff like that jokingly. Do you know that is a pure definition of religion? I'm going to make you go through hell to teach you something. And you know what? You never see that in the life of Jesus. Do you know no one in the presence of Jesus ever dies? Don't happen. He's brought the death to life, but in his presence, people live, not die. <laughs> Peter's not drowning. Peter's starting to sink, starting to sink. Peter screams out. Jesus immediately, it's in the word, immediately reaches out and grabs hold of him. Now what's happening? He ain't sinking no more. Where's the storm? Still going on. Still raging. Still raging. Jesus got Peter. Peter's close to him. He's safe. And Jesus does what? He starts rebuking him and correcting him. Didn't you learn the first time? 
Aren't you ever going to learn? You said you never do this again. You did it again. No, he didn't do any of that. Isn't that interesting? How does the voice of Jesus sound to you? Yeah, exactly. I think it sounds a little more the way I was sounding. You swore to me you would never do that again, and you did it again, liar. Some believe that's the voice of Jesus. I'm here to tell you straight up, that has nothing to do with Jesus at all. Jesus gets Peter, gets him in a place of security. He grabs him, and he says, you have so little faith, why did you doubt? He used the term, so little faith again. Are we going to define it the incorrect way or are we going to define it the correct way? Okay, then let's pay attention the first time. Little faith. Right? He's using the same word, little faith. What did they do? You don't care, we're going to die, we're going to die. Who are you? Little faith. That means what? They have faith, but it operated in a short period of time. What's this teaching? You can't tell me Peter didn't have faith. Who walked on water? Who walked on water? You trying to tell me that ain't great faith? Anybody in here want to contest that as that's not faith? That's not strong faith. You gotta be kidding me. That is awesome faith. The dude is walking on water. You don't walk on water. You're not a seventh grade level ninja. They're supposed to walk on water three steps. That's what we heard when we were kids. We heard to get to that level of being a ninja, you had to walk three steps on water. And we would go to my friend's pool and we would go all day long trying to get three steps. <laughs> it never worked. We came to conclude we are ninjas. We'll never be a ninja. And I don't care. And there's always the one that goes, I got two. You liar. You didn't get two steps. The moment you touched the water, you were sinking. There was always that one friend. You know, always the one friend, just a liar all the time. No, I swear, man, I got two. I got two, I swear. No, you didn't. Liar. And ninjas don't lie, by the way. And what do you see? You see Peter walking on water. And what does Jesus do? Little faith. Uh-oh. Hey, hopefully you're getting set free. Hopefully out there you're getting set free on this faith issue. Because I've heard so many bad teachings on faith that I used to respect and honor, but ultimately really realized that it was not producing the teachings of what the Bible teaches concerning faith. It was producing a picture of a super spiritual monster of God in faith. A man and woman of, a, of high spiritual authority in the kingdom. <laughs> it's true. Every time you look at this stuff and read this stuff, you're looking, how will I ever get there? When you start reading this, you're looking at yourself and going, God, I could be the biggest idiot in the world and have strong faith. I could be someone that literally denies Jesus and walk on water. Whoa! Did I just go there? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So what do we have? We have a picture of what faith is about. That time frame. Jesus is going, 
It didn't last too long, did it? He didn't say, why'd you fear? He said, why'd you doubt? Doubt in the Greek means, it's the word for two thoughts. Two thoughts. Why did you allow two different thoughts to enter in when faith works with one thought? God's word. See, don't think that a thought can't come in because they came in. They came in when Pastor Lau were dealing with it. All the years of my walk as a, as a Christian and as a minister, as a pastor, I've had all kinds of thoughts come in, but I was able to stay afloat. Why? Because it's not about the thought coming in. It's about what I do with the thought that came in. Am I going to allow the thought to stay? Or I'm going to let the thought that God's word override that thought. And that's what you do. Because ultimately you're going to get a thought. You can't walk on water. And you know what the thought is now? Are you kidding me? I am walking on water. Are you kidding me? Don't tell me what I can't do. I am doing it. Don't tell me what I can't do. I said, don't tell me what I can't do. I am doing it. Are you guys hearing this? This is what's so beautiful. Two truths to get hold of. Three truths to get hold of. Number one, even great faith can turn to small faith. Don't, listen, Christian, chill, will you? Some of you, you've seen times your walk, well, man, you are like super faith man, super faith woman. I mean, you're like an Avenger type Christian. And then a month later, you're like going, oh, I'm scared. And what do we judge ourselves? By that one, not the other one. What did Peter judge himself by? Not the water walking. Are you guys getting something? You getting something out there in the world? Hopefully you are, because I know I am. This is good stuff. Number two, victorious faith does not mean no storm. Please hear your pastor that's been doing this for a long time. I've heard all the statements. I've seen all the statements. I've I've been there, done that with goofiness of people and religion and, and, and fake spiritual leaders and people that think they're spiritual and they aren't. And the way they talk and the way they judge and all that ugliness, I've seen it, I've heard it, I've, I've had it spoken directly at me. And ultimately it comes down to what am I gonna believe? Who am I gonna believe? And I've just determined I'm just going to keep focused on this word and believe it. Even if I have some sinking. Even if I am going, oh, Jesus, where are you sometimes? I know that I know that I know the end result is, is I'm going to keep going forward and I'm going to keep growing. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping the race. I'm going to keep pressing. I haven't arrived. I'll never arrive. I'm just going to keep pressing and to keep growing and to keep learning. And that's what, keeps me, that's what keeps me alive. That's what keeps my family alive. That's what keeps many of you in this church family alive. Because you're believing it, you're hearing it, you're getting hold of it. You're not perfect. Man, you know your, our walks, we've had messes, right? But, but what do we do? We keep pressing. 
Yeah, you screwed up. Yeah, you got away. Yeah, you, listen, I've been there. I've, listen, I've been there. I've done it. But look where I am now. That doesn't define me. Your screw up doesn't define you unless you stay in it. That's hearing. I hope you're hearing me. Number three, Jesus saves right away. He's not waiting. He saves right away, immediately. Do not think that when you cry and call out on the name of the Lord that he's going to sit there and go, well, wait a minute, let me see if it's real. Let me give you a couple days on that one. It might just because that police pulled you over. It might because that doctor just told you this. Let me see if it lasts. That's not Jesus. Call in the name of the Lord, you will immediately be saved. And that's what the word is. Jesus ain't waiting. He's going to grab and protect right away. Are you guys hearing me? That's the Lord. That's the Lord. That's his word. That's what he shows us. My Jesus cares. He cares tremendously. He cares for everyone in here. We just need to understand his heart, not our heart, his heart. Remember, Jesus gets on the other side. He's done with the two boat rides. All right, there was one, and then months later, another one. And now he's on the other side. And the Bible says immediately he gets around a massive crowd, a massive group of people. Here's the next storm. Masses of people all around pushing and and pressing against him. And all they're doing is standing around Jesus. And we hear about the woman with the blood issue. For 12 years, this woman is just bleeding and bleeding. And she's spent all her money on doctors. And she's gone to the specialist and the best that said, you cannot be healed. And then she heard about Jesus. She heard about Jesus. And it turned a switch on in her that said, all I need to do is touch him and I'll be healed. How does she know that? She heard about Jesus And she came to her conclusion that all I need to do is touch him. There's no written scripture that says, just just barely touch me and everything's going to be good. No. She said, all I need to do is touch him. I'm going to be healed. I'm going to get my healing. Ain't going to cost me nothing. I just got to get through that crowd. And so the crowd's there. Jairus runs to Jesus. Excuse me, excuse me. My daughter's sick. Excuse me. Get out of the way. And, and he's a religious, a high religious guy. And he gets to Jesus and says, please, Jesus, heal my daughter. She's dying. I need you to heal her. And Jesus goes, okay, I will. And Jairus says, let's go, let's go. And Jesus goes, okay, let's go. I don't know. Jesus didn't walk like Gomer Pyle. I don't know how you walk. Yeah, I'm sure he walked cool. Either way, Jesus is walking. Jairus is walking with him. Listen, I'm a papa. I'm a dad. My 12-year-old's sick and dying. I'd be grabbing Jesus and pulling him. I'm I'm helping him. Or I'm behind him going, come on. Get out the way, fools. Move. We got to get to my daughter. My daughter died. Come on, move, move. And all of a sudden, Jesus is walking with Jairus, and the woman goes, and Jesus goes, whoa, who touched me? Jairus is like, I've been touching you the whole time. What do you mean? And the disciples go, Jesus, are you kidding me? Why would you say who's touching you? You've got a thousand people touching you. They're all over you. They're hanging all over you. He goes, no, nope, someone touched me and power left me. 
And he looks and there she is. And she's like going, oh my gosh. I'm healed, but I didn't. And Jesus goes, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Jairus is like going, okay, she's here. Let's go, let's go. Come on, come on, come on. A guy runs up to Jairus. Jairus, what? Your daughter's dead. What? The woman, the crowd, what's up with this? You didn't go quick enough. Don't tell me he didn't start thinking that. His friend goes, don't bother the teacher. Don't bother him. It's done. She's dead. The Bible says that Jesus heard him. He heard the statement and said, Jairus, don't worry. She's going to be okay. Now let's go. And they continue on to the house of Jairus. He goes from one crowd to another crowd. And this crowd is doing what? Wonderful, beautiful. Ah! Says they were weeping and wailing. Jesus comes to the scene. This crowd is different. And he says, Hey, don't worry about it. She's just sleeping. The crowd that's standing with the relatives Jairus and all the friends and family screaming and crying that the daughter is dead. Ah, don't worry, she's just sleeping. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. If someone can go to wailing and crying to laughing by one sentence, that, my friends, is a faker. And what did God say about the fakers? He said, get them out of the way. Get them all out of the way. I want you, Jairus, the wife, Peter, James, and John, you guys come with me. And what happens? His daughter becomes healed and whole. What do we learn from this? God's timing is the right timing, number one. God's timing is the right timing. Number two, even good intended people. Jairus, she's dead. Don't bother Jesus anymore. And stop your faith. I don't believe that guy had anything but good intentions. And there are a lot of good intended people that are talking to you that are going to rob you of your faith if you listen. And number three, get rid of fakers in your life. They will rob you of a miracle. And I've seen this hundreds and hundreds of times over 35 years of ministry. And I think people would believe me. But people continue to believe fakers. And they keep getting robbed. You want success in your life? You want to live this life that God's given us? Let's pay attention to the life of Jesus. Amen? Let's pay attention to what he's showing us, what he's revealing to us. Jesus loves you. He cares greatly for you. 
a teaching that I taught years ago that I'll never forget, and I will never, ever, ever, it'll never lose my mind, is the shortest scripture in the Bible, and it's Jesus wept. And the reason why that's so powerful is because the first thing Jesus did when he's in the midst of all this pain with Martha and Mary and, and, and they're crying and ultimately going, if you could have been here, he'd be alive. And because you weren't here on the right time, he's dead. And Jesus at that point is in the midst of all this, God in the flesh, he pauses and starts crying. I'll never have that leave my mind because that is a Lord, that is a God that does care. And when you're sad, he feels it. When you're hurting, he feels it. When you're sinking, he cares. Just understand that the God we serve is the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you want a picture of God, look at Jesus because they are one and the same. Father, we thank you for the word and we thank you for this life lesson. We thank you that the words of the Lord are comforting for our times in storms, in this tribulation, in this chaos that's going all over around the world. We can have peace. We place our trust on you. Our lives can be in a place of security in the midst of a storm. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the truths that we've learned this morning concerning your desire for us. If you're out there in the live stream or in here this morning, you do not know Jesus. Remember I said, immediately you call on Jesus, you will be saved. And I ask you right now, call on Jesus because this is the Lord you want. You don't want the religious one. You don't want the church you want. You want the real one. And the real one is the one that cares about Monday. He cares about your life. So call on the name of Jesus. Ask him into your heart. Just say, Jesus, say it with me. Jesus, I believe in you. I call in your name. I ask you to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for immediately coming into my life. I believe in you, Jesus. You're my Lord and you're my Savior. Help me, Lord Jesus walk this life through. If you say this prayer for the very first time, I want you to click that button or I want you to raise your hand in here. If you're in here this morning, you've not received Jesus, I want you just to lift your hand. And if you have not received him, get it up. If you have received him, don't worry about it because there's probably people clicking out there right now. But what I want you to know is it's the Jesus we serve. He's a good God, and we've got a good life to live in him. Amen. Love you. See you guys. Be blessed. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.